your dream needs to die. The version of yourself that has no vulnerability needs to die. So you can be invited into walking a path with your vulnerabilities, because that is the deep human experience. And that makes the best art, that makes the best work. Um, the surprise of your life is that your woundedness or your weaknesses or limitations become the thing that help you offer a unique light to the world. So we don't have to look at something dying. I mean, we should grieve it and it's obviously touching us, but it's like, it doesn't mean you're over. It means maybe you've been given the gift to see things differently. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss. And on the podcast today, I am joined by Scott Erickson. He's a touring painter, performance artist, and creative curate who mixes autobiography, aesthetics, and comedic narrative to create experiences that speak to our deepest stories. He's also the author of Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. I really enjoyed this conversation with Scott. He's a teacher turned studio painter turned performing artist, and he just really wants people to know that an unexpected life of joy and greater fullness is possible for you. It's like even greater than you could ever imagine. And in this conversation, we really dive into his book, Say Yes, and just how he's guiding readers on this deeper conversation about who you are, who they are, why we're here how the future just really bursts with possibilities if we're willing to say yes to the gift of life on the other side of a death of a dream. And a dream in this context can really mean anything. So in this conversation, we really dive into Scott's new book. He shares with us how to not give up on yourself and the three assumptions that we really need to address first. We talk about facing the voice of giving up, which is really loud, by the way, and declaring that change is possible. Scott shares the difference between I'll never be versus I'm on my way, which is such a huge perspective shift. You're going to hear my light bulb moment in the middle of this conversation and how to thrive in a massive culture of comparison. Plus, Scott shares how he reinvented himself to pursue his own deepest passion, what he really wants you to know about midlife changeups, his biggest dream, and so much more. Now more than ever, I just think it's so important that we have reliable resources that we can turn to. And that's where today's sponsor, BetterHelp, comes in. So I would love to share with you a little bit more about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you've matched with is a good fit. And no matter where you're listening to Seek the Joy podcast right now, you can also use BetterHelp because the service is available for people worldwide too. I just think it's so valuable to talk to someone about what it is that you're going through, whether that's anxiety, depression, grief, loss, changes at work, or friendship dynamics, or relationships, or you want to talk about the challenges of the last couple of years. And BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, so you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too, which I still think is a game changer. 
I really want you to live a happier, more joyful, and just ease-filled life. That's why I share these conversations with you. And so I'm just excited to share that as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seekthejoy. Join over 1 million people and counting taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash seek the joy. The link will also be included in our show notes. Scott is really intimately familiar with the death of a dream. And his whole thing is he wants you to bring the wisdom of future regret into life right now. And this conversation is filled with just it's really thought-provoking, to be honest, and a lot of comedic relief, which I think we all need when we're talking about stuff like this. And for Scott, it's really about just helping you take that first step so you can gain these incredible, powerful tools that you need to say yes to what lies ahead. So as always, I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. Make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Make sure to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're tuning in. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Um, What else? What else do I want to tell you? Oh, next week, no new episode of the podcast. It is a break week over here for Seek the Joy. And um, I think that's it. I think that's it, Scott. Thank you so much for this incredible conversation. Really, guys, like there is so much good stuff that lies ahead of us, even when things don't go our way, even when dreams don't pan out the way we expected, doors slam. God, I've been there. I know you have too. So without further ado, let's dive into this one. Scott Erickson on how to not give up on yourself. Scott, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you, to have you on the show. I know you wrote this great book that came out earlier this year. It's called Say Yes, Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a dream. Mm-hmm. I think the title is so cool because often when a dream dies, when something we're so excited doesn't happen, I think we're often faced with this question of like, what's next? Or what do I want to do? Or is there yeah. anything possible for me after yeah. this thing, you know, didn't happen? So how did you find yourself, I guess, on this journey of writing this book, um, of getting started and diving in? Yeah. Well, I, Exactly. I went on a journey. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it happened to me. I, uh, I found myself, I found myself a few years ago, just, I had this moment, you know, there's, there's moments in our lives when something's happening to you. And, uh, I, mine looked like one night I just started crying after I put my kids to bed and I, I couldn't stop. And I, I tried to find a place to kind of be by myself, which turned out to be my bathroom, mm-hmm. our only bathroom in the house. And I just mm-hmm. sat on the toilet and I cried. And I, and uh, my wife came in and was like, are you okay? What happened? I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening to me. Um, and with some time from that moment, I realized what was happening is like, oh, I, the way I would describe it is like a dream was dying that somehow mm-hmm. my body physiologically and psychologically knew it wasn't going to come true. And so I was grieving that the loss of a dream and, you know, it would, uh, it helps us to kind of define what dreams are. I think uh, they're a dream. There's lots of, cause dream means lots of different things. It's like the images in our head. It's an imagined kind of scenario. I would say that mostly our dreams are not necessarily 
say about a thing or an object or like a dream vacation, a place to be. I think a dream is more associated with like, I want to be the type, the kind of person that can have that thing, mm-hmm. um, get that object, go to that place. And, uh, and then this is through like working this out and stuff, but I would say like a dream is a version of your life yourself that doesn't have any vulnerabilities. And, um, so I had to confront all that, but I, I was getting in touch with that. There was a way that I wanted to be in the world, that there was actually something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it, mine wasn't like, oh, that thing failed. It was more like, I know who I, I, I think I want to do this. And that sounds so scary to start now. Um, it sounds embarrassing in, in a lot of ways. And, and so I knew I was like, well, I guess I got to move forward. And then I was confronted with these like fear arguments, or I call the voice of giving up. And so what I had to do is I started developing, it took a, it took a while, but I developed these kind of like practices. I was like, if I'm going to keep confronting these arguments, I need to find a way to move past them or, or give a counter argument. And so mm-hmm. as I, so it, they became like my own practices. And then it became like a little bit of a talk that I used to do. And then it became like a show that I perform and then it became a book. And that's why Mm. we're talking now. So it became, it was something I went through and then had to figure out, I had to figure out how to be alive in the world and, Mm. and, and, and move forward. And so these are, these are the things that I'm not a therapist. I go to therapy, Mm -hmm. but I'm a, I'm an artist. And so the show and the book is like a way of translating these, I call them like mental health and spiritual practices. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. keep, to not give up on yourself. And, um, and then I can offer something that's like art, artsy and fun and, you know, not so clinical. Mm-hmm. I, I thank you for sharing this aspect of your journey. I love what you said. You had to learn how to be alive in the world. And yep. I think it's so, so much of what you were talking to is I think when you were speaking about fear is we all have this internal dialogue or this internal monologue at times, this mm-hmm. voice in our head that tells us like, you can't do this, or uh, who do you think you are? And yeah. we start to, I think, really doubt ourselves. And um, so much of your work I know is about what you shared about how to not give up on yourself. So I'm curious about that piece that you were speaking of that sort of like internal narrative, that dialogue or that monologue, like yeah. the role that it plays in our lives. Because for yeah. me, so much of that has been about, well, it's been a lot of inner work, but it's a perspective shift, I think too, in the moment. Absolutely. Oh man. I love, I just don't want to pass it, that I love that you're like a dialogue, a monologue, because I mean, it is right? a monologue. That's what you discover is it's yes. like the voice is just your own voice. It's mm-hmm. just really a monologue. Yes. That's so funny. I'm tickled inside. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What was, your question was like, what yeah, do we do? Oh, like the role, the role that it plays in the person. I think it's sometimes a perspective shift, you know, like yes, turning absolutely. that voice into something else. Um, yes. I yeah. think all so much is about perspective shift Mm -hmm. so much in fact uh at least in my studies of like great faith traditions most of them are just like uh any kind of spiritual journey is just learning how to see differently um and so it it really is so my first you know not to not to tell you all the secrets of the book but that's what we're here to or you can i don't don't mind giving it away the yeah. first, so I have these like three arguments that I sum up. And the first one is nothing's going to change. Mm. And uh, that is the one that makes me most depressed, makes me most uh, not wanting to do this anymore. Just because nothing's going to change means like, hey, 
you know how you feel right now, really miserable. That's going to be every day for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to get out of it. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that is a really despairing uh, narrative. So what I started to do was I was like paying attention to the narratives I was telling myself. So I learned a lot about where we develop our narratives, um, mostly from childhood and how do we change them? So uh, one of the ways I found is that uh, there's two things. So one is that I found that I would describe moments of wonder are moments when your narrative goes away. It's where you're just really present in the moment and so then I started going, well, how can you kind of hack that? Like, what is do, what is happening there? And could you, like, so I have like a daily wonder habit, you know, and that it happens when you confront. So for me, the hack is just to go, what don't I know about what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Because I have an ongoing narrative about what I think all of this is, what we're doing right now. But if I just step back and go, well, what don't I know about what's happening? Like, what are my, what are the assumptions building this narrative? Then it, it kind of opens, it initiates curiosity and imagination and it, and it, it changes the narratives. And when you see that narrative, what happens also in like moments of wonder when you're struck by beauty or like a magic trick or something that like stops the narratives, what you start to understand is like, oh, narratives are just that they're just narratives. It's just a story you're telling yourself. So if you can step out of that story that means stories are malleable. That means stories that you tell yourself are changeable. And so then the second thing that I do to implement a different story is uh, I say, I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. So instead of I'm never going to be, or I never could do that, I just go, I'm on my way towards being that. Um, I'm on my way means if I fail at something, it's not evidence to the argument that I'm a failure. It just means I'm learning as I go. And that's mm-hmm. part of the process. Mm-hmm. I'm on my way also means it gives me a larger, a longer trajectory of potential difference. Like uh, often we can be like, if I don't do this in like the next two days, it's all over, you know, and it's, that's not true. It's like, I, everything's a learned skill. So I can just go, I'm on my way to learning how to do that. I'm, it might yeah. take me a couple of years, but I'm on my way. Um, I'm on my way means like you're in the process too, you know, you're and and where you find yourself, maybe like today, I told you before, I'm a little sick today. And I have this like big project I'm trying to get out the door. And I have been wrestling this morning of just like, oh, it's so inconvenient to be <laughs> sick. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm just like, well, you know, in the process of bringing this thing to light, I had a couple sick days that I had to just go. I'm sick yeah. and I need to yeah. lay down, you know, and I, yeah. I'm just on my way. That's part of the process. And so I'm confronting a narrative. I'm changing the narrative. It's such a huge part of um, not giving up on your life, not giving up on yourself is, yeah. is really like changing the narrative of what you think you're in, where you think you're stuck, what all this is. Yeah. 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 What do you yeah. think about that? I mean, obviously that resonates with you. Yeah. It yeah. really does. So like this piece about I'm on my way, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Something I tell myself is I don't know yet. Meaning, yes. you know, mm-hmm. I may not have the tools right. or the answer or know this for myself in this moment, but that doesn't mean in a week, a month, a year from now, I, you know, it, things will change. And I think mm-hmm. especially when, you know, you have something you were really working towards or something you're really excited about and it doesn't pan out. It is so easy to blame yourself. It is so easy to get so down on yourself and to, um, I think, blame yourself. And so reframing it, this perspective shift, I think is a practice and it's a muscle. So reminding yourself, I'm on my way. 
I don't know yet. Um, I'm learning as I go. I think it's uh, I think it's a necessary aspect of this self-talk that yeah. we're not always taught to be very honest. Yeah, like yeah. we we don't always we're not always given these tools, I think, um, to practice, you know, as we navigate this journey of life. And so yeah. that's why I love these conversations so much because mm. when you said I'm on my way, I felt like a zing, like, oh my God, yeah, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. need that reframe in the moment because it's not, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not your fault. You know, that we, I think we're so quick to blame ourselves when really every twist and turn, I think is just part of the journey. It's part of the path. Mm-hmm. You being sick is part of this journey for you with this project. Yeah. And I'm sure in a year you'll look back and go, yeah, maybe I needed to like slow down a little bit to see something yeah. differently. We, we don't know yeah. the purpose yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's only, it's only in retrospect. Can you make Always. a narrative about something? It's in the moment you're like, what's happening? So yeah. yeah, today I'm just like, this is what's happening. And, you know, I made a list of things to do, but it's like, well, my other son is sick, so we'll probably watch a movie together and mm-hmm. probably I'll probably drink soup. You know, there's great things. There's great things in being having a sick day. So. Yeah, there's some good nuggets there. <laughs> also, you know? also too, like you can get caught up in the urgency and immediacy of everything. And it's like, always, it's, it's okay if things take time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's okay that things take time. I think that's an important reminder too. You know, earlier you mentioned something about how you view mental health and spiritual practices yeah. as kind of being um, one in the same. And it's so interesting because over the last, I would say maybe five years for myself, I've thought about my own spiritual journey, my own journey mm-hmm. with my mental health as being kind of this real opportunity to learn more about myself and embark on my own evolution, which I think, you know, is such an important reminder that we're all, we're all evolving. Like we don't stay stagnant for a reason. And so I'm curious if we could maybe expand on what you said a little bit earlier, just how, how our mental, how is our mental health and spiritual journey? How are they tied together? Um, What has that really looked like for you? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll try to be as concise as I can because it's a big subject, but like, um, <laughs> I just hit you with a big one <laughs> for one when I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell a couple of little anecdotes. One, I was, when I was, uh, I went through a professional burnout and I was really depressed and struggling with suicide, uh, suicidal mm-hmm. ideation. And so, uh, my therapist was like, you need to develop a, a physical routine, some kind of exercise routine. Cause it'll help you with yeah. your, to get in your body. And so I started running and I'm just, but I remember on one of the runs, I was just like, why the hell am I running anyways? Like, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like, so what if I feel better? What is, I hit against these like deep existential questions. Like mm. what is, who am I? What is here? What does being here mean? So when we, so that's where I was like mental, you know, I can, I can do these mental health things, but I'm eventually going to bump up against the deeper questions of existence, which is what I would say your spiritual practices. Um, so I was like, they're very, they're not that different, you know, like if you, so for me, like all of these, uh, arguments that I have, or these counter arguments of these practices, they're, they're layered, you know, they're about like, so like, I'm on my way. Let's see, like, I'm on my way is like, uh, okay, I can implement, like, I can say, hey, like, I'm learning something, I'm developing a skill. There's like a surface level. I'm on my way on the next level goes, I, like you were saying, I'm an evolving person. So me as a person, I wasn't the same. I mean, there's elements of me, but I, there's a 15 years ago version of me and a 10 years ago version of me and a now mm-hmm. version of me. Mm-hmm. Like I, 
I am of the thread going through, but I'm developing, I'm learning. And then the, like a, another layer is, do you think that you're all on your own? Um, do you think that when you look back on your life, um, do you think it was all up to you? Um, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, when he uh, won the Hall of Fame, a uh, TV Hall of Fame, when he was initiated in the TV Hall of Fame, um, he, he, in his speech, he asks the audience, which is amazing because it's like the who's who of Hollywood. He goes, he's just like, who has helped you on your journey to help you who you are? And he's like, why don't we just take 10 seconds to think about who's helped you along the way? And he's like, I'll keep time. And he just like this whole auditorium <laughs> full of like the biggest celebrities in the world at the time are he they just everybody just sits and thinks about it and he goes maybe and then he's done and he goes maybe maybe wherever they're at if they're alive still or in heaven or um, maybe they know and they're looking down on you and they're proud of you and you know that again what it's saying is like was it all up to you or did like did people help you along the way mm -hmm. was there things that went along the way um, my wife and I have a mantra that's like a phone call and an email can change everything mm -hmm. you know like so and, and, and then for me as a person of faith, I'm like, I think providence and grace, um, there is like, I'm, I have agency and I am invited to show up and be transformed, but there are other elements of my life that are going to transform me, whether I like it or not, and how I'm going to respond to that. And the way that I would look back is that I would say that, uh, on the deeper spiritual level is that, uh, faith isn't something that's all up to you. It's not mm -hmm. about mustering up hope and stuff. It's about paying attention to what's happening around you and responding to that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean about all these layers. It's like, and, and say yes, the book and the show is about these layers. It's about like, yeah, you could read this book as like a how to develop something and move on. But it's also like, <laughs> what? how should you think about your life? Is the gift of existence a miracle or a curse? Mm -hmm. and, and, and do you think that, uh, and my, and my submission is that I would say like your dream needs to die. The version of yourself that has no vulnerability needs to die. So you can be invited into walking a path with your vulnerabilities, because that is the deep human experience. And that makes the best art that makes the best work. Um, the surprise of your life is that your woundedness or your weaknesses or limitations become the thing that help you offer a unique light to the world um mm -hmm. that and that is so when we so we don't have to look at something dying i mean we should grieve it and it's obviously touching us but it's like it doesn't mean you're over it means yeah. maybe you've been given the gift to see things differently okay so we can end the podcast right there that was beautiful <laughs> i mean mic drop that's so good because you're right this death of a dream some, mm -hmm. something that isn't um what you said, you have to let go of that part of you that didn't have that element of vulnerability, that didn't have um, that introspection that you weren't connected to. It needed to die. It needed to like drop off so that you would have this opportunity to walk into this next chapter, this next evolution of you. Mm -hmm. I'm just like so struck by that because I think... Um, I think it's something that we often have to come to terms with, that maybe yeah. we were living our life in a way that... Um, isn't really who we are, or we had expectations of ourselves that weren't realistic, or um, we were holding on to something that's not really meant for us. And yeah. so when you allow it to fall away, and of course, there is going to be a grieving process as there should be. Um, but it's even through that process of grief, um, 
that you really learn so much about yourself. Yeah. And I know yeah. in the book, you talk about this um, death practice as mm-hmm. like one of the practices that you you give to people. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and, yeah. and maybe like why it's helpful too? Because I don't think I've ever heard someone be like, all right, so let's engage in a death practice. So what is it? Yeah. Yeah. And look, I... I'm an artist and I'm in my forties and I wear mostly black cause it's slimming, but I think about dying, you know, like it's a thing, but, uh, no. Um, okay. Let me, let's just start with like a story. It, here's what would happen if like all of a sudden you're, and those of you listening, if like the green reaper, like death came up to you and said, I'm coming for you in 24 hours, you need to, and that's, you only have 24 hours left. You're going to have to let all of this go. You're gonna have to say goodbye to it all. And then you're like, oh my God. And then it left. And then you're like, oh, well, I have to go to lunch. I'm going to lunch or dinner with this person. And then you would go get food and you would eat, maybe it was something simple like a cheeseburger. And while you're eating that cheeseburger, you'd be like, cheeseburgers are amazing. And then you would like get in your car and you'd notice like the light reflecting off the glass of the windshield. And you'd be like, it's light and colors are amazing. And then you get home and somebody you knew was there and they gave you a hug and you hug them like really long. And you're like, people and hugging and relationships are the best. What has anything changed in the world? No, what has changed is your perspective of Mm -hmm. what all of this is. Because what you would see everything you interacted with, you'd be like, it's a gift. It's all a gift. And so that is the wisdom at the end of your life. Meaning that is the, a truer perspective that you only receive when you're going to have to give all of this up. So I was like, and I was taught this through my spiritual director, but really I was like, well, I want to take the end of life wisdom and try to apply it to my life that I'm living now. And, and, and what happens at the end of your life? And look, I almost drowned surfing one time. And like, maybe this happens if you've been in a car accident or you bumped, you know, a surgery where you had to get put under. There's, there's just this like, oh, she's, I got to re, I got to rethink everything. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it, like it, it, the poet David White says, uh, the conversation with your eventual disappearance that conversation with your eventual disappearance readjusts everything. And it lets you know what you actually think is important. Mm -hmm. And I want to spend my time focusing on what's important. Um, And so what I do is I have a, I have scalable, but I have a little consistent death practice, which is just like, okay, if so let's, when I, I have three kids and they're delightful, but they can be annoying. One of the things I'll do, especially when I'm really frustrated with them, I'll be like, what if one of them, what if this one that I'm angry at died tomorrow? Mm. How would I feel about how I'm going to treat them right now? And I would be, I would be so regretted, regretful that I would like, (laughs) I -hmm. got so mad. I got caught up Mm -hmm. in that. So it helps me just go, how do you want to treat your kids? How do you want to treat people right now? You know that. So it helps me adjust to that for a work thing. I'll go, if I get an offer to do something, And this is entirely too much pressure to put on a project, but I'll go, okay, if I died at the end of this project, so so this is the last thing I did, would I be mad and frustrated and angry that this is the last thing I did? Hmm. And that's entirely too much pressure to put on a project. But what it helps me get in tune with is this. If I go, yeah, I would be mad. Then I go, okay, well, why? Because I would have rather been doing this. And then the question is, well, why aren't you doing that? Mm -hmm. If that's the deepest thing in you, 
why aren't you trying to do that? Well, I, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I don't think I, you know, and then that's the conversation. So yeah. what I'm getting in touch with is I would like to call an inner compass that I actually have this thing in me that's like pointing me in direction, but I can get caught up in other things or other distractions or fear or ego or the noise of life. I can, I can lose touch with that inner compass. So a death practice is really, it's not so much about the death. It's more about like what reflects in life, what it, what it shows you about your life by contemplating that you don't have all the time in the world, that it will mm -hmm. eventually go away. And what do you wish you would have given to? And coming back to vulnerabilities, I have, I have three kids and they're great, but uh, I can't do everything that I can imagine. I only get a very small window every day to work on something. So with the death practice and my limitation vulnerabilities, I have to go, what do I want to do the most? What is most in me? And there's a, I would call this your deep desire. A dream is a version of your desire, but a version of your desire without vulnerabilities. Your desire is like this deep life force in you. And in fact, like St. Ignatius in the 1500s, he actually said the way that the giver of your life or, you know, God, whatever name you want to give it, the way that the giver of your life speaks the loudest about your calling, vocation, kind of invitation into the world is through your desires and you should pay attention to that and, and do discernment. So it's about like, I, I think like what we want to do is we want to spend our time doing the things that bring us to life the most. Mm -hmm. That's what we, that's what we think of like, as like a, a desirable life. Yeah. Um, the famous mythologist, Joseph Campbell in this, I'll butcher his quote, but he said, I don't think that people He's like, I think people think what they want to know is what's the meaning of life. But he's like, I actually don't think that's what people want to know. He's like, I think what people really want to know is, or sorry, what people really want is the rapturous experience of being alive. What people, what you want out of your life is to feel the feeling of being alive. That's mm -hmm. what you want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And walking the path of desire is what is going to bring that out the most. Yeah. Um, because you know, we all know that intuitively where we end up, we're all we're like, why am I doing all this? Mm -hmm. I hate, this isn't bring me to life. Why am I? Because, you know, this is, this is the cliche story of people on wall street, just being like, this money doesn't do anything for me. Like I just, I got to leave and I'm going to go start a canoeing trip in Colorado. You know, like just, it's a whole, it like what, what we want is we want to be alive. Yeah. And, um, and yet we need to have a work and vocation in the world. So I think we should try to start steering our lives towards that. Now, we, uh, this isn't necessarily in the book, but we are on our way. Um, yeah. Like, so if I use my own life for an example, I used to be a high school teacher and I knew that I wanted deeply to try to be an artist, whatever that meant. So I had to quit teaching and I had to wait tables for a long time. Uh, the famous author, Elizabeth Gilbert says, she's like, you should never make your art pay for itself. She's mm -hmm. like, you pay to make your art happen. And I did that for a long time. I had jobs, but I made a space for, to dedicate myself to art making. And eventually it paid for itself. And then I burned out and then it went away. And then I incorporated, you know, it's been, it's been an ebb and flow for the last almost 20 years, but like, um, and now I'm at a spot where I've, I'm really successful in a lot of things I do. Mm -hmm, so I can mm -hmm. just spend time on the things that now my conversation is what can I uniquely offer the world? Mm. Like, and, 
uh, that's a wonderful and frightening place to be, but hmm. I have to, and I know I wrote a book, say yes, but <laughs> I say no all the time because what I want to say yes to is like the unique, the, the deepest thing in me. That's, that's what I think saying yes to is, is like, say yes to that. Mm-hmm. Like I have to say no to please design my tattoo, please design my album cover, please design my t-shirt, please design. I want to pay you lots of money to make a painting for my house. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because by saying yes to those things, I have to say no to the deepest thing in me. And I don't want to live with that haunting anymore. And I, so I, that's, that's, it's, it's never easy or concrete. It's just like a constant process, but it's in there. And it's what it's, it is what being alive is. And it's, and it's, I, it's the thing I think you should say yes to. Oh, so good. There's a couple of things you said I want to make sure I highlight. And yeah. one was this piece about end of life wisdom yeah. and living your life now with that wisdom. And it's so interesting because I think often we have these big life events, whether it's your health, um, something with a family member, a death yeah. in your life, um, something that really rocks your world, that shakes it up and you go, oh, wow this is not how I want to live my life. This is not who I am. This is not how I want to spend my time. And what I think is so wonderful about this death practice you shared is that it's getting ahead of those moments. It's -hmm. making the choice right now, no matter where you are in your life, it doesn't necessarily need to take a big moment, a big trauma, a big life event for you to say, oh, wait, no, let me like take a step back and evaluate where I am and who I want to be and how I want to spend my time. So I want to make sure we highlight that because I think that is, that is huge for me. It took when I was um, graduating from law school, I had shingles and then I graduated and I sat and studied for the California bar. And then I had like appendicitis and then I had all these other health issues. And it wasn't until I didn't pass the bar after six months of like struggling. And I was like, Oh, I got to change something. (laughs) The way I speak to myself has to change the way I live my life. The way I like uh, talk to myself, uh, study, like everything took a huge 180, which was then the impetus for this podcast. So Mm. I think if we can get ahead of those moments and be conscious now and take a step back and go, if I had 24 hours, or if I had to make a big life decision, what would Mm. I let go of? What would I celebrate? And what would I choose to do more of? Yeah. I think that's huge. Oh, huge. Oh, well, I, and there was a really famous blog post over 10 years ago called The Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware, a hospice mm. care worker. And it became viral and uh, they, it's a book and it's great. But what she, what she, from her experience helping over 200 people with end of life care, dying with dignity, she's like, people have the same regrets. There's not like this myriad of regrets. She's like, people say the same things when they die. Mm-hmm. And she listed them from five to one. The f- number five wow. was, um, I wish I would have let myself be happier. Number four was, I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number two was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And then the number one regret, and this is what I'm, I'm always, when I do the show, I'm like, listen to me, the one, the number one regret that we have when we die, according to Bronnie Ware, is this, is I wish I had the courage to be true to myself, mm-hmm. to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing people say mm-hmm. before they die. And I, and I was like, this is tremendous wisdom. I want to apply this to my life now. So you know, and, and yeah, I, and I, that's, Huge. 
Yeah, I exactly. It's exactly what you're saying. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to get to that and be like, oh, I already was told that this is the conversation I was going to have. Yeah. I want to like because what I think it's saying is like in that retrospect, you're like, you know what, life wasn't. It wasn't all about working. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all about it. You know, you know what the greatest thing in life wasn't like acquiring a bunch of stuff. It was actually like maintaining relationships with people. You know, like it. it you know, a life where you spend time and reflect and express how you feel, like you're really honest with yourself. That's a deep life and that's worth doing, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, (laughs) just coming from a Christian background. I'm like, why are we arguing about the 10 commandments on walls? We should be like putting this up, like on billboards and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. by the way, when you die, this is what you'll say you regret. Adjust your life accordingly. (laughs) Yeah. And it's about, I think, bringing that wisdom, right. Of like things that you, like, if we, if we take those five things, taking the wisdom of that, of what would be a potential regret um, and bringing that into our life now. And it brings me to what the other thing I wanted to highlight that you said was that in order to say yes to the things in your life that are important to you, that you are your deepest desires that you really want to do, part of saying yes is learning to say no. Yeah. And I think it's learning to say no um, unapologetically. And I think there has such an interesting connection to the, the book that you wrote, the tour that you're on, and this voice that we often have about, about of giving up is that we yeah. often, I think, confuse at least I have in my life, giving up with saying no Mm. and giving up with, um, when we say no to things, it's not that we're giving up on ourselves or it's not that we're um, letting other people down. It's that you're actually saying yes to yourself in a really meaningful way. And I think part of that too, my brain is just going everywhere right now, but saying yes to yourself is also recognizing that meaningful change, being intentional, intentional with your life is really possible. And I am somebody that struggles with saying no. And recently I am making it more of a practice to say, you know, what? I just, I can't do that right now. Or thank you, but you know, this is not meant for me or no, that's not how I want to spend my time. I think coming out of the last two years, you know, I've become really cognizant of how I want to spend my time and who I want to spend my time with and, and kind of being unapologetic of that. So I think, yeah, often I wonder if we confuse this voice of giving up, which can be a blaring voice, right? Yeah. With those moments where we're choosing to say no, it doesn't mean you're giving up and it doesn't mean you're you're doing yourself a disservice. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to let go of things to, I think, recognize for yourself just how much change and possibility and the opportunities that are sort of yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's like... <laughs> Yeah, you can figure out kind ways to say no. Sometimes people please oh, yeah. like us. It can oh, be yeah. like, oh, I just don't want to make people. I like one of my favorite responses on email is just like, I'm on a long vacation from that. You're like, I'm so sorry. I'm on a long vacation from that. Yeah. And it's, return date is to, to be decided. TBD. Yeah, people I'll be like, when are you coming off vacation? I'm like, I have no idea. Would, <laughs> which is really, it's just, instead of just being like, no, you know, mm-hmm. just like you can have fun with it. Just, totally. But but what you're doing is you're committing to the thing that you know yeah. you uniquely need to do. Yeah. Um, if you want to write a book, writing a book is just carving is is basically saying, well, people ask, I'm like, making a book is basically all of your free time for, you know, for mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's know, a commitment. Absolutely. Yeah, but you, if you want to, and it's, again, it's like, you're on your way. Everything's a learned skill. It's mm-hmm. like, 
saying, you're going to say, I'm going to say no to this. So I can say yes to this. And it's, you're saying yes to that deep thing in you. Mm -hmm. Mm. I know you open the book um, by sharing this exercise that you do every January with uh, the people in your life. Um, And it's all about sharing the best moment of the year and the worst. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious if we could end this conversation um, with, you know, when this airs, we'll be close to the halfway mark. Um, of 2022. And I'm curious, um, I'm curious about this, this practice and, um, you know, the role of these questions and, and maybe if we could implement them for ourselves, um, you know, at the halfway mark, maybe to kind of check in with uh, where we are and, and where we're going. Yeah. You want me to answer my worst and best moment, best moment and worst moment of the year? You totally can. That would oh, be my cool. Gosh. And then, you know, I think too, maybe sharing with people, you know, the role these questions have played for you, because I think it's cool to ask ourselves this at the beginning of the year, but maybe at the halfway mark too, you know, yeah. evaluate where we are, and where we're going, man. I spend a lot of time thinking about it <laughs> because so what happened, I get together with friends I went to college with yeah. oh, every cool. year and uh, yeah, Saturday night has become a tradition. We, and so, cause Friday night we have a meal Sunday we have, but Saturday night we specifically make a dinner and then we go around and everybody goes, what was your best moment of the year? What was your worst moment of the year? Mm-hmm. And it's just a way to get to like the deep things of your life. There's always so many tears, you know, it's a chance we've known each other for 20 years now. So it's a chance to just like, you know, it's just the things you don't talk about right away. You know, it yeah. takes some time, but um, I think it's really good to, you know, when I, I'm a, uh, a licensed spiritual director. And so when I encourage people or help them with like, quote unquote, their prayer life, I'm like, always the place to start is what is your, what are your hopes and fears? You know, what is like, what are you scared about the most? And then what are you hopeful about the most? It's, it's that kind of spectrum that gets, that gets, it's, it is like, what's your best moment? What's your worst moment? It's like, what has broken your heart and what has given you joy? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the interesting thing about joy is that it's in direct correlation with sorrow like if you never have deeply sorrowful moments you'll never have deeply joyful moments if you just maintain if you're like numbing and you're only shallow with sorrow you'll be shallow with joy it's it's a it's a surprising yang and yang that they, they go together so yeah i have a quote behind me my head's kind of blocking it but it's um from the french philosopher albert camus and he says live to the point of tears and i have it on my wall because i, I it's a great well, as an Enneagram four, it's great. But like, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's great because it means like when you're heartbroken and when you're happy, you're really alive. That's, that's, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it, Peter, um, mm. from the movie Hook. You're doing it. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared for my worst and best. I could, I could just kind of halfway through the year is, sheesh. Uh, um, no, I'm not, I don't know. If, sorry. I, Sydney, I don't no, know if I'm ready okay. to share it. No, it's okay. It's okay. But I think, <laughs> I think that's such an important point that you just made about this connection between sorrow and joy. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it all the time on this podcast of you, you can't have one without the other. And so much of this life is about this depth of human experience that really requires you to dive in to your grief, your sorrow, your disappointment, your hurt in order yeah. to feel that joy, happiness, connection, love, and the growth that comes from both. So yeah. I'm grateful that you said that because I think I think it is such an important reminder. And part of saying yes is saying yes to the grief and saying yes to the joy, mm. saying yes to the sorrow and saying yes to the love. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's what it, what is happening. You yeah. know, it's what is happening. You have to. We all have to. We all have to make amends with our existence. We all have to 
you know, eventually receive the gift of our existence with all yeah. its limitations and all its particularities and its, and its great things. Like we mm-hmm. don't get to choose the family we were born into, the body we were born into, the, the DNA we have, you know, but uh, you could spend your whole miracle fighting it and hating it, or you could eventually just go, all right, I'll say yes to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, that's when, that's, that's when living is really going to kickstart. Yeah. 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 Scott, thank you for such a wonderful conversation and for joining the podcast on a day where you did not feel well, because nobody, <laughs> if you didn't tell us, I don't think anybody would know the difference. So I would love it if you could tell us um, where everyone who's listening can connect with you, um, find the book. I also know you have this say yes tour um, mm-hmm. where people can connect and learn more. And and through the book, you, you really help readers. And I think you include exactly what you showed us here today, this aspect of, um, comedic relief, which I think is really powerful storytelling, um, you know, and thought provoking conversation. So where, where can everybody find you connect and, uh, and learn more? Uh, I'm most active on Instagram, but I'm Scott the painter on all socials. Um, yeah, if you just type in Scott, the painter, you can find me Scott Erickson. There's a lot of uh, Scott Erickson out there, but, um, yeah. And so, um, I'm on a podcast. I have some this is my fourth book. Um, I, I, I try to wow. offer like a daily meditation through my Instagram and stuff. And then, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll probably be finishing doing shows this show this year. I'm, my goal is to tape it really mm-hmm. well and then have that as like a, a video offering and then move on to the next thing. So, but wow. um, yeah, I got some Texas dates, Chicago date, um, uh, and, and then some other places too. So. Awesome. Okay, wonderful. Well, everything will go in the show notes. We'll make it so easy for everyone to find you, connect and learn more. And thank you for this conversation. And I think really, it's really about saying yes, I think to the gifts that come after the death of a dream or some sort of disappointment or just when life doesn't go the way you plan. And there's so much, um, there's a huge gift. There's so much value in not giving up on yourself. So thank you for this conversation and the work that you're doing. This was really fun. Thanks for having me and being a great host. It's been wonderful. Seek the Joy podcast is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created, produced, and hosted by me, Sydney Weiss. You can tune into all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're enjoying the show, hit follow and leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure to join the community, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And don't forget, you can actually watch today's new episode and all of our episodes on our brand new YouTube channel. Click that link in the show notes to subscribe and tune in. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Tuesday.